0: What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. We appreciate you downloading and listening to these episodes. It really means a lot to us. So go to iTunes, leave us some reviews, let us know what you think of the show. Uh, those are always a lot of fun to read. Head over to iTunes, do that right now. This podcast is brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters.
1: We've been in business a while, Ron. on. Yes, sir. We come out here and just tailgating out of the parking lots is what they did to start with. <laughs>
0: turned it into a full-fledged business yes sir started out just goose hunting now we got goose duck dove pheasants well,
1: can't, pigs can't believe the way it's grown and when they started i didn't really know that it could be like that
0: <laughs> here we are today so if you're looking for that uh that fall adventure look no further 940-658-3172 that's our phone number you can get on the books for this year we're still taking bookings for goose and duck hunts give us a call you could even come out here and do a pheasant hunt with uh over on here so www.stanfieldhunting.com this podcast is also brought to you by dive bomb industries best silhouette on the market yes sir you've hunted over a lot of them
1: i'll tell you what I, they're amazing
0: that's another company that just you know just
1: blew up oh i'll tell you what they're they're great guys great service can't get better service than what you get from them, and the decoys work, and they're beautiful and lifelike. The stake system is what I love the most. I know it, and that's the first criticism I had when I saw one. Is that <laughs> that'll never work. That thing won't stand up in the sand, but they sure do. They sure fool me.
0: Stakes come in from the top. That way, when you pull them out of the sand or the muck or the mud, whatever you're hunting them in, the stakes stay in place, unlike uh, some other companies who steak system was just a pain in the ass oh yeah the wooden plastic deals was a pain boy they look great they pack up nice dive bomb industries the way to go call them look them up online look them up on instagram dive bomb industries get whatever you're needing for this upcoming waterfowl season because it's here basically a lot of guys are already hunting also we're brought to you by boss shot shells bismuth is back in style the boys
1: are making a kick-ass load well that stuff will bring them to the ground i tell you what just got hit them one time
0: 12-gauge, 20-gauge, they make special loads. You call the people at Boss, email them. They will make you pretty much whatever you want. They'll custom, custom make your load
1: for you. Well, that's good service there, too. And like I said, it's right to your front door.
0: No more big-box stores. They go right to your front door, so you know that you're paying a rock-bottom price. Uh, you're going to shoot the 20-gauge this year, huh?
1: Well, I, I shoot the 20-gauge a lot anyway, but yeah.
0: Do that with bismuth, and you knock the hell out of them, so... BossShotShells.com for all of your shotgun shell needs. We're also brought to you by 737, the boys in Oklahoma making duck calls for all across America. Great duck call. Works great. Sound good, man. Even Jeff can use it. That's how you know That's it right. passes the, the user-friendly test. And they're beautiful. Beautiful. You can put your, put your logo on them. We've got some here with our logo on them. 737 duck calls, and they can hook you up for, they sell goose calls too. So whatever you're needing.
1: they they work great handy and jack mostly well they sound good
0: now did you teach jeff how to duck call or he just picked that up well i don't know (laughs) if you'd had a 737 it would have been a lot easier that's right you're right we're also brought to you by lucky duck you if you're going to field duck hunt this winter you're going to need uh spinners look no further luckyduck.com and they can they can send you however many you need. I say you need at least a half dozen spinners if you're going to have a successful
1: field hunt. I'll tell you what, it's amazing to watch them when you get them remotes going. And We had a hunt, the last hunt of the season, we killed about 50 birds in an hour with the whole, we had half the town out there in a blind. <laughs> I, I had my son, two sons, three grandsons, one great-grandson and a granddaughter. And, and a dog that you... Produced. And a dog that I trained and then produced, and then about 10 more friends was out there, and we, we hammered them. Boy.
0: Just got all those lucky ducks going and let, it, let them eat. Those those ducks will key in on that, create a lot of motion, which is what you see on a duck feed, and uh, lucky ducks work. Get the ones with the remotes. Get the ones that are waterproof if you find yourself hunting over water, and uh, your worries will be no more. So luckyduck.com for all of your motion spinning wing needs. Uh, we're also bought to you by light LEDs. There's no more sense. There's no sense at all to set a decoy spread out in the dark. Modern technology put the put these lights everywhere. Put them on your truck, on your trailer, light it up. Turn that switch on and light that puppy up. That way you can see exactly what you're doing. No more that's you know, that's the number one cause of breaking your decoys, tripping over. Them. Turn on those lights. You're saving decoys that way. Think of it that way. Saving your investment. SealightLEDs.com. they're what we use. And this show is also brought to you by Athlon Optics, also a U.S. made. Athlon Optics is a proud U.S. sports optic product company devoted to designing and delivering superior quality optic products and outdoor accessories at a competitive price to you, the consumer. Athlon has strong engineering design capability, strategic alliances with quality manufacturers, and a streamlined, fully integrated supply chain. Whether you're shooting prairie dogs or scouting those geese or ducks the night before, Athlon Optics has a product that you need. So go to AthlonOptics.com, get your binoculars, get your scopes. They've also got red dot sights. They got it all. If you need to look through it so you can shoot something or find something, Athlon Optics is the way to go. We're also brought to you by William and Chris Wines. Ron, you're a former wine drinker. Yeah, I've had my share in the past. <laughs> you, you were a sweet guy. You, you liked the the sweet drinks,
1: didn't you? Yeah, I, yeah, I loved it on sweet stuff. But but anyway, they won't let me drink anymore.
0: <laughs> you made that decision a long time ago. But yeah, Cr- William and Chris, uh, great wines. Texas made wines. Uh, I like the red personally. The Skeleton Keys are really popular. You can find them at HEB Whole Foods Central Markets, uh, all those upstanding supermarkets. You can find William and Chris Wines, or you can go to their website and try to get it shipped to you. But William and Chris Wines, uh, you, you, you won't be disappointed. And on this episode of the podcast, we're joined by Jim Brenner. Jim Brenner lives in Plentywood, Montana, God's country. He's uh watches the Grand Passage every year as the migration uh takes place right over his uh right over his home. Watches thousands of ducks and geese just filter out of Canada and into the States. So interesting man, interesting podcast, and uh we hope to enjoy it. Here he is, Jim Brenner.
2: All right, three, two, one. Boom, and welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I'm Andy Shaver. And on the line with us today is Mr. Jim Brenner from Plinywood, Montana. Jim, how are you doing?
0: Doing good. How about you guys?
2: Doing great. What's the weather up there like? Uh,
3: today it's, what, about 76 and about a 25-mile-an-hour wind out of the west-northwest.
2: Oh, a wet north wind. That's that's a change.
3: Yeah, it's we. That's usually the way our wind comes out up here most of the time, unless well, the last few days we've had rain and it was blowing out of the east.
2: Now, how you you're, you live eight miles from the Canadian border and eight miles from North Dakota, correct?
3: Uh, fourteen from North Dakota and eight from the Canadian border. Yeah.
2: Well, you are on the far, far, far east end of Montana. Then. <laughs>
3: yeah, I can't get much farther.
2: Now, there, me and Andy came back from Canada one time when we were driving through there, and there was tons of swans right across the Canadian border. So, I, I'm assuming you live in an area with a lot of swans.
3: Yeah, I get a swan permit up here every year. Um, I've lived up here ten years. I've been married to a to a gal that uh, lived up here all her life, and we've I've come up and shot swans. We've been married for thirty years, and came up and shot swans over off and on over thirty years. So.
0: And where'd you grow up at?
3: I grew up in Southwest Colorado, down at Cortez.
2: Okay. So you you went you went further north.
3: Yeah, went further went farther north.
2: Now they they say Plentywood, Montana, because I'm assuming the Indians—that's the only place they could find wood for their trees—is am I correct on that? What's that now? The, the town Plentywood, Montana, is named because Indians could get wood for their fires there. I'm assuming is that is that correct or is that just
3: yeah. This, I've heard that story, and then the story that's kind of in the, what they call the Sheridan Daybreak uh, about Sheridan County is uh, Dutch Henry, Dutch Henry was kind of an outlaw and stuff up here, and they ran cows and stuff up here. Big ranches out of Texas used to push cows clear up here, and uh, they, one he stopped by a rancher's camp there and they were trying to get the buffalo chicks lit and they said well if you go up the road about or go up the trail about two miles there's plenty of plenty of wood so mm-hmm. that just kind of stuck
2: plenty of wood. Well, I, I, plenty I, wood i am jealous of you because there's not a lot of places that i would rather live in than Knox city texas believe it or not but plentywood montana is one of i love montana wow that's a cool uh-huh. place
0: now keep in mind he's never seen uh january in plentywood montana so <laughs> He might yeah, just be talking I, out of his ass.
3: <laughs> he, he, he changed his mind in the middle of January when it's 42 below, and that's without the wind chill.
0: Oh, fuck, that's w- cold. What's the, what's the coldest wind chill you'll see?
3: Uh, last, well, two winters ago we had actually that was the coldest temperature that I've been in was 42 below, and it was about a 20-mile-an-hour wind. I in the Oof. negative 70s, Ooh. I would say. Mm.
0: Yowza. I
3: mean, it. Uh, you take a cup of water outside and throw it in the air and it's frozen before it hits the ground.
0: Have you done that before? I've seen that on video. I've seen that on YouTube. I
3: never have. I've seen it done on videos too, but I never have
2: done it. Well, it's that fucking cold. You don't want to open the door to go outside to do anything. I also saw <laughs> a chick, she, she got, just got
0: out of the shower and her hair was wet and she went outside and like flipped it over, like bent her head down and then walked back inside and her hair was frozen, standing straight up.
2: <laughs> I,
3: I can believe it.
2: Now, do you, I, I want to make sure I got this right? You drive a snowplow, don't you?
3: Uh, I work for the county road department up here. I run a maintainer, road grader, whatever you want to call it, blade. And I have there's ten blades within the county, and there we each have about a hundred miles of gravel road that we maintain. So we're blading out the gravel in the summertime, keeping the washboards out. Uh, Mowing the weeds this time of the fall and ditches so that the snow will blow across and not drift. And then come wintertime, we're out plowing the snow too. So you yeah. s-
2: you see a lot of cool shit then.
3: Yeah, I see quite quite a bit out there.
2: <laughs> How often do you see a moose?
3: Uh, I saw two, three of them this summer. Down um, when I was blading, they came across the road. i <laughs> a little. Wow, they were little, they were yearlings, you know. I mean, just one of them had horns about the size of oh, a dinner plate. But we've had, I've had four of them right here in my yard. It's five of them in my yard at different times.
0: Now, what do you do when they're in your, in your yard? you shoo them out?
3: Nah, you just let them do their own thing.
0: You don't want to <laughs> piss them off?
3: Yeah, they, you know, these have all been young young ones there were the first two they came walking right through the garden and stomped my wife's cucumber she was a little mad at that but that was a young bull that was probably all had paddles on it about the size of of a your pillow that you sleep on at night
2: can y'all hunt them there where you're at
3: uh it's a permit system they give out uh for what they call region six they have seven regions in montana For Boost Wildlife and Parks, and they give out, we're in Region 6, and they give out a total of six tags, which covers a huge region. It goes clear from uh, down by Sydney and clear up, clear over past Glasgow.
2: I don't know how big that is. I've
3: never drawn one.
2: It's a a big area. Y'all got bears where you're at?
3: Uh, No. No, we don't have any bears here.
0: Hey, so when you shot the swans, do you eat these things? Yeah. How they taste? Similar to goose and duck?
3: They're like a goose, you know. I mean, they're 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 a little tougher than a goose. Oh. You know, I mean, you get basically they're. I mean, they're all neck, the breast, the breast is about the same size as a big Canada. Yeah, I and can see that. The thighs and legs off of them.
0: The thighs and the legs are where it's at, huh?
3: Yeah.
0: Meats a little bit more tender on the thighs and the legs.
3: Um, seems to be.
0: We're looking. I'm looking at a swan right here in our lodge. I can and w- but it's side by side with a big Canada. I can see the the breasts not being, you know, any bigger than what you get off of a big Canada. Those fuckers are all. Yeah, nut. they're goofy looking fuckers.
3: They're they're all Dutch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, do you do you decoy these swans, or are they all just kind of flying by whenever you shoot them?
3: Uh, we've had them, you know, where we've thrown out. I've got some snow goose floaters and yep. put the put those out on the water on a couple different places of water, and they come decoying into those. And I've got a swan call, but they kind of just pick out that white sitting on the water and come flying in. And then we've shot them, you know. I mean, they'll come flying over when we got our goose bread stuck out in the in the stubble field and shoot them there too. I've never. I've never seen any swans up here land in the fields. Not like I've seen, you know, on videos and stuff down in North Carolina where they hunt them a lot, though, decoying them into the fields.
2: Now, there's a big refuge right there, isn't there? Medicine or something? Um,
3: Medicine Lake National Wildlife Refuge.
2: Yeah, that's pretty close to you, isn't it?
3: It's 30 miles south of us.
2: That's, That's
0: not far at all, then.
2: No. No, uh-uh. I stayed two days in Plentywood at the little uh, Sherwood Forest Hotel or whatever that's called there. I can't remember the name of the Sherwood thing. Inn, yeah. Yeah, Sherwood Inn. Stayed there. And me and Tony come back from Plentywood and we, we went into Wyoming. We went through a little town called Biddle, Montana. Do you know where Biddle's at? Yep.
3: It's, Biddle. it's not
2: much. <laughs> no. It's one of the but, – but something there that I'm going to go back. Me and Michelle, we're, we're going to go next fall. We're going to go to Montana. And we're going to go to Biddle, Montana, because I want to go into that little store there. It was a gas station, a post office, a general store, grocery store, hardware store, everything, and feed store, in that one little, little little store there. And it was neat as hell. Yeah. Like, it was like going back in time to the 50s. Yeah, I've been
3: through there. I've never stopped or anything, so.
2: And the roads are gravel. They was not even paved roads. It was yeah. a state highway. Are most of y'all's roads gravel up there? Um.
3: Uh, You know, within the you know the county roads that we maintain, we only have like thirty miles of pavement. Everything else is all gravel, other than state highways.
2: That's crazy. I've never seen so much gravel road in my life. I did. We took a highway, and I was like, "Turn left." So this can't be right. This is a gravel road, and it was. We we drove a hundred miles on it. It was a gravel highway. Couldn't believe it.
3: Down down there, they don't uh, don't have a whole lot of lot down there as far as state highway department or anything other than just the gravel you know i mean they're not doing any pavement or anything in places up here still
0: so the thing everybody wants to know about what uh what are you seeing right now are you seeing anything at all as far as ducks and geese go uh
3: mostly local geese we had our youth waterfowl season it opened our season opens this coming saturday and they had the, what they call a the youth waterfowl weekend. They give the youth two days, the Saturday and Sunday to hunt ducks, geese, and then pheasants before everybody else opens up. And I know guys, uh, a couple guys that I worked with took their kids out and they ended up each shooting five Canada's a piece. They had three kids and they limited out with what we call shit pond geese. <laughs> they sit down on the, the lagoon down there and right close to the lagoon is the big muddy creek. And they, fly back and forth between there, and they ended up shooting those. I haven't seen a lot of lot of candidate, you know, geese coming down. I mean, we get them all up here, too. I mean, we get snows and, and specks and sandhills and swans and everything, but I haven't seen any of those. So a lot of teal being headed out of this country already, though.
0: Hmm. Well, our teal season closes on Sunday, so... Not gonna do us a whole lot of good. Fuckers are about two weeks too late.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You might be getting some. We might be getting quite a few geese here. We're supposed to have rain uh, mixed with snow Friday and Saturday. So
0: what? Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah I think that's that what go that's what they're Davis. calling
3: for up here Friday. Friday night into Saturday morning, rain, snow mixed, and the high is only supposed to be like I think fifty on Saturday. 45 or 50, something like
0: that. What's the earliest you've seen snow? Um, Like
3: September 17th, but it didn't stick around. I mean, it was snowing then.
0: Right. What's the latest you've seen snow?
2: September 16th. Oh,
0: okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In the May? June? Middle of May. That you know, would get awful. Old. In the middle of May,
3: I've seen it. I've been in different places in Montana where I've seen snow every snow every month of the year.
2: Oof. That would get old.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: snowing in July? No, thank you.
3: Yeah, I was in Lewistown, Montana, which is kind of this whole right center of the state. There, they call it the Snow Hole. I saw it snow
2: on the seventh of July there. Wow. Wow. I would take that on the 7th of July. I'm sick and tired of hot by then anyways.
3: Yeah, we didn't we usually get, you know, a week or two that it's in the upper 90s and into the into the triple digits, but this year it's been really really cool up here. I mean, we've had a couple days that got into 93, 94, but not much over that. Most of the time it's been running in the mid 70s to low 80s you know i mean it's which is kind (laughs) of odd for this this country you know
2: that's us now um is there a lot of field mallard shooting there where you're at you
3: know as far as guys waterfowling around here i can probably count on both hands the amount of guys that i know around here shoot waterfowl
2: most of them pheasant hunting Uh, and
3: big it's it's mostly that's the big thing up here i mean we get guys when i've first moved up here, I worked at the the sporting goods store t- in town here, and we had guys come in buying licenses from Argentina, Ontario, a lot of guys out of Vermont, Florida, hmm. uh, coming up to hunt pheasants and sharptails and Hungarian partridge.
2: Yeah, the Hungarian partridge is the big, big, big draw there, isn't it?
3: Yeah, the Hungarian partridge and the sharptails. You know, I mean, the pheasants are when we have a lot of pheasants. The last couple of years, we haven't had a lot of pheasants because we've gotten you know that cold, wet spring rains when they're when the chicks are hatching and they just can't make it.
0: So the the last couple of years have not been good for pheasants.
3: No, mm-hmm. not up here. Like last year, you know, I've run. I just have one bird dog now. Uh, pointing dog. Well, it's a versatile dog. Wire haired pointing Griffon. And they'll uh, retrieve ducks and geese and all of that. But we didn't, we planted a lot of pheasants last year, you know. But there was a lot of hens, and I didn't even shoot a pheasant last year, and my hunt partner, he didn't either. We just ran the dogs. But we shot a number of sharp tails, and then Huns seem to be this year, the Hungarian partridge are on, on the increase.
2: Now, how big are they?
3: They're. About the size between, I'd say between a bobwhite quail and a teal.
2: Huh. Now, well, do they covey up real big?
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, they, they covey up like the like quail do. I had one. We've that season start sharptail grouse and Hungarian partridge start the first of September, and we've been out on those and hunted those and shot a number of them. The biggest covey that I saw so far was fifteen. You know, I mean, that would be just uh, the male and the female breeding pair and then what they've hatched out that year until you get into later in the winter and you get around the farm lots and stuff where, you know, there's still grain and everything. You'll see 30, 40, 50 of them.
2: I saw me and Andy were in North Dakota waterfowl hunting a couple years ago, and I got out of the truck by corn, some corn that hadn't been cut yet. And I had a covey come up from under my legs. Oh shit! I About had a heart attack. Scared the shit out of me. So I wasn't expecting it.
3: <laughs> yeah, they they do scary. Even even when you know you got the dogs, got them pinned down and on point, and you're walking in there, and they get up and they're screeching. It sounds like an old old creaky metal gate screeching. You know, when they get up,
2: sounds uh,
0: like hell breaking loose is what it sounds like.
3: I thought
2: something had my ass, boy, because they quail are, They don't make. They're a lot louder and they're a lot more violent than a quail is when they get up. Whew. Yeah, yeah, they do get up. I
3: mean, I've hunted quail down in Colorado, down there where my little brother he lives in meet Colorado, and hunted a uh, ball boy scaled quail out there a couple different times. And these huns, they get up like I say they get up pretty violently.
0: So when uh, when does this season? When's your pheasant season end?
3: The pheasant season starts. Columbus Day weekend, whatever that falls, it starts on that Saturday. So it'd be like the seventh or eighth this year.
0: October, uh-huh.
3: and it runs clear till the first of January.
0: I bet there's a lot of cold pheasant hunts that you do.
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, you get, you know, I mean, when it gets into December, you know, I mean, we're I'm still out running the dogs and stuff, but you can't, you know, I mean, it's it if it's above zero, I'm out there running the birds, you know, and if it gets, you know, I mean, if there's, if there's birds around and the snow not past deep.
0: Yeah. Now, do you do much waterfowl hunting where you're at?
3: Yeah. We're, me and my buddy, we go out pretty much every weekend until freeze up, which, you know, I mean, it could be the middle of October, everything gets cold enough up here that it's frozen, everything's gone,
1: you know, I mean, I've had
3: it where I've shot duck and geese on Thanksgiving weekend, too. You know, I mean, that's usually about our end. This last year, um, last waterfowl season, we didn't have a lot of water. It was pretty dry up here, and then we got a storm that came through here. It kind of snowed, and then it got, turned freezing rain and laid a lot of the crops over, and it froze all the water around here except for a couple of the big lakes going down like the Medicine Lakes. Uh, didn't freeze, and so I kind of blew all the birds out of here about that third week of October, so that was, that was the last, well, I shouldn't say that was the last I hunted waterfowl, but I went down to Colorado down there and hunted geese with my little brother, uh, down at 8.
0: That was that? December.
3: That was, that was fun. I mean, we get the little geese like you guys get coming through here, but they don't stop. Right. I mean, i can see thousands of them going through, and that's the first time I'd ever hunted the little geese and see the big swings and everything else, you know, and we put, he's in a, uh, there was an outfitter down there that moved down from Alaska, and he leased a bunch of property and he takes some guys out, but he had had leased more fields than he really needed, so he kind of got together with a couple guys and they kind of started the duck club, and my Brother and the guy that he works with, they both buy in and they've got 10 different fields with pits dug into them. And then you can go out, you know, I mean, you pay your pay to play type thing and, you know, you can a couple guests out and, and go. And I went down there for three days. They've got 10 different fields and we hunted three different fields and we shot geese in all of them, you know, I mean, but it wasn't, there wasn't any weather down there. You know, I mean, we were laying on top of the pit in the middle of the day. And, 60 degree weather, you know. And, and that was in December down there. They didn't hardly have any weather at all.
0: Yeah.
2: It's a screwy year. Been a, it's been screwy yeah. weather. Now uh, Do you hunt do you ever go into Canada and hunt? I
3: have uh, a number of years ago I went up there one time with an outfitter up at Kyle, Saskatchewan. And um uh, there was K&P Outfitters, and they're not in business anymore. I mean, this was 15 years ago, and we shot mostly up there. We shot Specs and Dan frames, and then we did uh, shoot some sharp tails and huns during the middle of the day and a few ducks. But I, I never have been up there other than that one time.
2: i tell you what. Is, is there a way to drive into Canada from, like, where you are so me and Andy don't have to go through checkpoints? <laughs>
3: uh... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> funny story on that. When I first moved up here, my brother-in-law's and my father-in-law, they, I mean, they farm up here, and I've got you know access to all of their land, and they've got stuff that's right on the Canadian border. I mean, I can drive you up there, and you can throw a rock across into Canada. You know what I mean? But I was up there. I was up there hunting sharptails and huns, and I had parked my truck in a waterway down there in one of their fields, and was working. Uh, Waterfall production area that's that's right on the border. And I see this pickup pull up next to my pickup park down there, and I kind of wandered back over there while I got to talking to this old farmer. And I looked down at his license plate, and I'd given the dog some water and stuff, and we're sitting there talking and yakking, you know. I looked at his plates, and he had Saskatchewan plates on there. And he says, Well, you know, we talked for about 45 minutes, an hour or so. And he says, "Well, I gotta go," and I said, "Well, I gotta go too." And he just drove right up across the border on the two-track, to bring him to Canada, That's <laughs> and great. I turned around and come back down the eight miles from Canada.
2: Well, me and Andy'll keep that in, keep that in mind next time.
0: That'd be hell getting checked by the game <laughs> horns in Canada and not having your Canada paperwork. Ooh boy, that'd be that'd almost be worse than going through that border check.
2: Yeah,
3: you'd end up not having that gun permit, be in big trouble.
0: Yeah, I, I, I just, I. I'm not going back to Canada unless everything is just tip-top shape. And, like, I I don't have a big desire to go back to Canada. I just don't. Yeah, I know some
3: guys that used to live here. Well, they they were customs guys at the Port of Raymond up here, which is about, what is it, 18, 18 miles from Plentywood, where they go across, and they go across all the time. But, of course, they worked at the port, you know. Yeah. And... And they have put, you know, they've got some remote sensors up here along the border and stuff like that. One time I was up there hunting in the same place where the guy drove across in one of my brother's fields. There's a big slew hole in there. And the ducks and geese, you know, I mean, they'll come off a couple different lakes there, and they'll fly over, you know, fly into Canada to feed sometimes, sometimes they feed in the U.S. while I was up there. It was just me and and one of my dogs, and my brother-in-law's had bale some hay and a big round bales and had it all laid out right next to on the border. Well, I this pothole that I was hunting the slew is about 600 yards from the Canadian border. Mm-hmm. And I parked, threw out the decoys, drove up there and parked my pickup, and I'd shot a few ducks, and then all of a sudden I hear something, and, you know, there was ducks in the air, and all of a sudden they just all vacated. Well, uh, here it is. It was the black chopper flying the border, and they come over and hovered over the top of my pickup. that was parked fifty yards from the border, and then I kind of stood up out of my blind that I built down there, and they come flying over the top of me and hovered and sprayed water all over me and then blew
0: off. <laughs> what the hell? Just making sure you weren't doing anything, or what?
3: Oh yeah, you know I must have set off one of the remote sensors up there or something. I parked my vehicle or. It was just one of their random patrols that they're flying the border in the black helicopter.
2: Was that American and, or and, Canadian?
3: No, that was the American side. I, I was given one of the guys I know at the on the border patrol hell for it a couple of days later, and he goes, oh, that was you up there. And I said, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's what's funny when I see a border patrol agent up there, because down here in Texas, we don't have them around here. But if you get south of here about four hours, you see them all the time, everywhere, you know, anywhere, real south Texas. But when I get up there, I don't – because up here, every time I think about it, I think, oh, the damn Mexicans are going to go running away. Up there, I don't <laughs> I don't see where anybody – to me, if you're going to be a Border Patrol agent, to work in Montana would be the perfect place to work.
0: If you didn't want any action.
2: Yeah, that'd be the
3: – Yeah, they don't, they don't they don't get a lot of action up there. I mean, you know, we'll be out deer hunting or something too up here and, or driving back on some of these gravel roads, and they'll be – Pulled off on an approach
2: with their portable DVD player going. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta love it. They, got, it. they don't have
0: nothing else to do.
3: Taxpayer dollars at work.
0: That's it right there. The old the old border patrol. Um, uh, but yeah, I would much rather hunt like Montana or North Dakota, Idaho, something like that. I, I, I don't have a strong desire to go back into Canada.
3: Yeah, you know, I mean... It was fun when we went up there. I mean, it was my dad and and my two little brothers, my niece and nephew, we all went up there, you know, and it was fun. We shot a lot of birds, you know, shot a lot of specks. That was, well, the limit, I think, was six specks and five sandhills, and we pretty much limited out on the specks. We did end up shooting a couple communities and a couple snows, too, but, you know, I mean, I can do the same thing here, you know. I mean, we shot shot specks, you know, declining into the, canada decoys you know not big bunches of them but three or four you know and shoot them and shoot the canada the only thing i haven't shot here has been snow geese you know i mean they don't they don't usually stop here but i mean we get that right around halloween time or when it starts freezing up there They're usually it's right around halloween i mean i can go sit up there on the border and i can watch thousands and thousands of specks and snows and blues and and um lesser canadas and the big canadas coming out of there i mean it's kind of the all oh, what do they call the big migration in the in the fall i know there's a word for name for it but
2: the uh just god dang it what the hell's the name of that son of a bitch the the grand passage
3: grand passage that's i mean i've seen that every year since i've lived up here that would be you know awesome i mean just see. sit there sit there in awe of them coming out of canada
0: oh that would be awesome. You gotta, you gotta take a video of that this year. You gotta get out there and see. I'll, have,
3: I'll I will.
0: Do I y- mean, that would just be so awesome to see sitting on the border and just watching them, just wave after wave after wave coming across.
2: Do you guys have a? Uh, do, do y'all field hunt much around there where you're at, or is that further south in Montana? Uh, we do. You know, I mean, we'll
3: set out the you know set up Canada Goosey toys, and, You know, I mean, I'm. Using I haven't got on the dive bomb train, but I my little brother's got dive bombs down there in Colorado, and those things are amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, especially for little uh, geese. For the little
3: little geese, yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: I mean, they work on. they work great for big geese, but especially with little geese, like it's a it's kind of a numbers game with little geese.
3: Yeah, you know, he's, he's got ten dozen plus. You know, I don't remember how many. He's got 10 dozen dive bombs, and then he's got, I don't know, how many full bodies. And then his buddy that he always goes with down there has got a bunch of uh, full bodies. He doesn't have any dive bombs. But it was just amazing, you know, how much easier it is to pick and put out those dive bombs, just full bodies, and you know, Trailer Space and everything else.
0: Yeah. Definitely got their perks. You know, whoop. Go ahead. I said they've definitely got their perks.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and we'll put out, like in Field Hunting in Canada, find a good wheat field or a pea field where they're going into. And I've got, what, six dozen full bodies, and then I've got old, old wooden stake silhouettes that I picked up 30 years ago, um, probably longer than that at a yard sale when I was a kid. (laughs) And we'll put those out. and, And we ended up, you know, I mean, it's just usually me and me and my buddy, Chad, and we've, you know, we've limited out a number of different times, you know, and then just sit around and wait for the ducks to come in. And don't shoot a lot of ducks in the fields up here. I don't know why. You know, I mean, I've never even really seen them coming in. But, you know, I mean, you get some, not like you guys do down there in the fields where you're shooting a limited, limited ducks in the goose fields, you know.
0: Yeah. It's crazy that, you, you know, you would figure what kind of, do you have a lot of grain and stuff around you? Yeah,
3: they, it's wheat, mostly spring wheat in Durham. They run, you know, I mean, they raise peas up here as far as like uh, chickpeas yeah. and lentils. There's some guys, my brother-in-law's got, I'm pretty interested to see what the ducks and geese do in these fields up there. It's first time they've ever planted any soybeans up here. Mm I know, some guys have run them, you know, been planting them for the last three or four years. But see when they harvest those, what the ducks and geese do in those fields. And then a lot of guys have been planting corn up here. But usually by the time they harvest all that corn, it's, everything's froze up and there's no ducks and geese around.
0: Yeah. Huh. You would just figure that there would be just tons of uh, field hunting opportunities.
3: You know... It, it kind of amazes you that, you know, it amazes me that there's not, you know, I mean, like when I lived in Billings, we used to shoot, you know, I lived in Billings before we moved up here, we used to shoot a lot of ducks and geese, well, a lot of ducks in the fields down there around Billings, too, but, of course, we were hunting them later in the season, too, you know, I mean, talking December, you know, November into December, too, when they were, you know, staying on the Yellowstone River down there when it's wide open
2: a lot more agriculture that way too isn't there uh
3: i'd say up up here in this country plentywood sheridan county it's pretty much its whole economy is on the farming up here i mean you know i mean it's like the place that i live on here my brother-in-law's it's 600 i mean i live on a section of land that they own here and only about half of it is in agriculture but you know i mean i Hate to venture a guess how much land that they farm. I mean, it takes them a month and a half to combine everything
2: they've got. You know. Well, you live in a really, really neat area. I'm telling you right now, I love it up there.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You guys come up here, and I know I get the invitation before, and when you were talking about swans, I mean, we can get to get the swan. So.
2: I am going to take you up on that one year. I guarantee you. Okay. I've. I've got two bucket list items I've got to do next fall. I've never been to Yellowstone and I'm going to go to me and Michelle are going to go to Yellowstone and I'm going to go to Glacier mountain to the Glacier park. That's my, that's my bucket list for the next two year or that next year. the year after that, I'm going to go shoot a swan and I want to go shoot a black duck and I'm going to go sea duck hunting Is my next in two years is my plans. See, I'd love
3: to go sea
2: duck hunting.
3: I mean, it's just, Sit out there in a the layout boat and watch them shoot those ducks out
2: of the layout. I think I want to do it on Rock Island and Kodiak. I don't think I want to be in a fucking boat. <laughs> you don't want to go sit out there in the layout. Fuck no, did too damn rough and 30, 40 mile an hour wind. Shit, no, that, uh-uh. I get seasick doing that shit. I want I want to do it off Kodiak Islands. I had a buddy of mine went, and he told me he just got back from there last last fall, and he told me he said Jeff, you never realized how minute you are on the universe until you're laying on Kodiak on them rocks and that damn ocean's churning and you realize how small you are in the universe.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I watched that show that Tony Vandemore did on it uh, up there
0: when he was at, I think it was Tony Vandemore.
3: Yes, he did that.
2: shooting
0: Vandemore.
3: Shooting them off the island and stuff up there, that was just amazing. Takes a big uh, set of
2: balls. I don't
0: have
3: to do that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Real big balls. <laughs> I would damn sure be enjoyable.
0: I c I, I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Uh, you don't you don't think so, Andy? I don't think so. Uh it uh, uh hearing Tony talking about it and like jumping in the boat and all that other bullshit, like I don't know. I'm a landlocked kind of guy. You know, I like field hunting and all that other stuff. I didn't even like having to put on my waders to teal hunt this last weekend. Like, even that's a pain in the ass.
2: And, Andy's not yeah. a Andy's not a street smart guy. He he don't like anything that's got a, any kind. Anything to be a little cool. that I think oh that'd be pretty cool to do. And Andy wants everything in the black and white. And that's where it's safe. That's where it's safe, Jim. Where you can sign on the dotted line. It's I, safe in black and white
3: uh i i'm kind of like jeff i'd like to do that i'm i'm not not the black and white guy yeah <laughs>
2: that, that's like <laughs> you. a little, little more adventure yeah even i i think it'd be cool as shit to ride with you when you plowed all that snow 100 miles i think it'd be cool as shit and stuff you'd see i like stuff like that i want to do things that are different me and chris pruitt that were on here going to do it did a ride in a couple of maybe next winter I don't know how it's going to be for that poor dog. Has to haul my fat ass around on a damn on a sled, but I'm going to do that too. Yeah.
0: All I'm hearing is a lot of sh- bullshit out of Jeff. No, He it's Ain't going to do no fucking <laughs> I did it right. I am going
2: to go with Christian it right. It's going to be a very small one. <laughs> he's he's
0: full of shit, Jim. Don't let him fool. So I don't I don't guess you can I don't guess you can uh, you can't drink on these ice uh, ro- snow clearing road days, can you? He's working. You can't. Well, room. I know that, but that'd sure be awesome if you could.
3: Plow, plowing, plowing, snow in that maintainer. I mean, you, you know. I mean, you're cranking her up to eighth gear is the highest, which is about thirty miles an hour, and you got the big g plow on the front. I've hit a couple big drifts where it stopped you. I mean, you're going thirty miles an hour, and it's like you ran into a brick wall, and you just raise everything up and back up and hit it again until you blow a hole through it.
0: Airbags don't go off, or are there are even airbags on this thing. Hell yeah,
3: uh, there's
1: no airbags
3: in that in that maintainer. You just
0: eat the, you just eat the fucking dashboard
2: is all you do.
3: <laughs> Put your seatbelt on and hey, have, oh, you a that's about it. Ride. have
2: you come across someone stranded in the snow up there?
3: I'm sure. Uh not somebody in the vehicle, but I've come across where vehicles has been stuck in the ditch and stuff and I've pulled out a couple different guys that slid off the road and which we're not supposed to, but you know, I mean, we carry big old chain on the front of the blade there, and you know, I pulled those guys out. I mean, they're up there in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you know? I mean,
2: they're gonna freeze, oh not death.
3: freeze to death out there. You know,
0: yeah, that'd be tough to that'd be tough to just. Well, sorry about you guys. I'll see you. You know, see you later. That'd be tough to do.
3: Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. You know, I mean, and he gets it. You know, I mean. My area that I played it's clear opposite corner of of where I lived, so you know, I mean I've got to know all the farmers down there and it's a small enough community that you know all of these guys around here and stuff, you know. And we even we even plow out plow out the driveways, you know. I mean the guy that runs maintainer he comes and plows up my driveway when it's snowing when he comes by, you know, plowing snow and I do the same thing on all the driveways down there in my area. It's
2: called being neighborly.
3: Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's part of, the, part of the job. And, you know, I mean, living in a community like this, I mean, geez, our closest
2: close to hour. now <laughs> we well, underst I, We understand how you feel. I feel you there, for sure. Yeah. Uh, All right, Jim, we appreciate so much you being on here. It's been an interesting, interesting podcast for damn sure. And we're going to check back in with you in about three weeks to five, six weeks and check on a migration report from you, if you don't mind.
0: Ready to hear about that Grand no. Passage
2: uh would be fine that'd be great
0: love it well what uh what what do you got what you got going on this weekend you going out for anything
3: yeah our waterfowl opens this weekend chad and i are going to go out uh well i've got friday off i mean we work at four tens in the summertime and i'll be out scouting all day friday and seeing where the ducks and geese are at
0: you got anything that you uh, think you got a field they you think they might be in or or what do you got
3: yeah, I've got a couple fields right up on the border. Of my brother-in-law's that they've had they had peas in, and they've harvested both of those fields. And then there's a couple other wheat fields that they've got that are right next to a couple big lakes, Bruce Lakes. There, you know, I mean, they're within a half mile of those roost Lakes, and those lakes have been been having quite a few geese on them. You know, I mean, local geese that are getting all bunched up. You know, coming off the smaller potholes and stuff where they brains their little and so it looks like it's going to be pretty good other than if it doesn't rain and snow all day
0: how many uh, is it just you and you and another buddy or how many guys you got uh
3: just me and my my one buddy maybe one of my brother-in-laws if they're not uh confined and he likes to goose hunt so nice. we'll go
0: how long will you hunt what's it how long uh 10 o'clock Ten thirty? 30 or do you go out there all day
3: um uh, it kind of depends on what we're seeing, you know, and if we limit out on the ducks or on the geese, you know. I mean, some days we're out there till, you know, until it gets dark all day long, you know, especially because we don't get, you know, we don't get the real long season up here when stuff freezes up like this, That's you true. know. I mean, uh, in October, sometimes Halloween time, it's pro-solid up here.
0: Got to make the most of it while you can. Well, like Jeff said, yep. man, we uh, we appreciate you coming on here, and we look forward to uh, talking to you again. And hopefully, you'll have some geese over the over your head next time we're talking to you.
3: Yeah, that sounds good. All right, but will you get you after them uh, this
0: weekend and let us know how you did?
3: Okay, and uh, you let Ron know that uh, I didn't have any fruitcakes here, but I called and talked to my mom, and she had some. She's sending them out tomorrow to me.
2: I appreciate that very much. It means a lot to us. Yep, you're welcome. Hey, thank you, sir, and you have a wonderful, wonderful week, all right? You too, thank you. Um, bye-bye.
0: Jim Brewer. Brenner Brewer.
2: From Plentywood, Montana. Really neat place. When we drove through there, that's what we saw. We saw tons of pheasants, partridges, and it looks like it's raining on the, on the radar, don't it? Yeah. Hot I think am. it's raining in Knox City, actually. Michelle right texted now. me and said it was raining there. I Men go home. Oh. Huh. All right, I appreciate everybody listening. Dad, you got some fruitcakes coming. Fruitcakes on the way, Ron.
0: Tomorrow. Got to. I've never had a fruitcake.
2: You have to have a slice. Uh,
0: we'll see. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd I'd try it
2: for sure. It's better than goose. <laughs> All right, thank y'all for listening. God bless y'all. Uh, thank you very much. Y'all have a great day.